Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. It's our prayer that this message is an inspiration to you, that it builds you up, that it stirs your faith right now in your today, as well as in the days to come. We believe that God has great things for you. God bless you. You know, I was thinking about how many um, like new things we've had to learn this year and how quickly things that we are uncomfortable with become comfortable or become normal. How, how we walk through uh, different times and different spaces and we think this seems really odd and uncomfortable and then we do it for a little bit and then it's not really so odd or so uncomfortable anymore. Like six months ago, the idea of wearing a mask would have been so uncomfortable to me. So bizarre, so unheard of, so odd. If I saw someone, I would be like, double take, what's going on? And then you do it for a little bit, and it doesn't seem quite so odd. Maybe still uncomfortable, but not quite so odd because we're kind of into the groove of it. And there's all kinds of things in our life that seem odd and seem unusual, seem uncomfortable, seem a little bit awkward, like they don't fit right until we totally get in the groove of it. And as we were talking about our online community this week, Phil and I were having this conversation about how it's a, a new space that we're learning and growing and developing in to be engaging in a service wherever you are, whether you're in your living room or in your bedroom or, you know, watching in your kitchen how you're connecting and joining and to then engage in the service might seem a little bit uncomfortable. It, it might seem a little bit uncomfortable to stand up and be lifting your hands by yourself or just with you and two other people in that space. But as we were talking about it, I said, yeah, but do you remember the first time that you were in a congregation setting and you said, I think I'm going to lift my hands now. Like, I think I'm going to get into this thing and I'm going to get a little bit wild and I'm going to lift and raise my hands and how uncomfortable and odd that felt until you got used to it, until you got in the rhythm of it, until you started practicing and growing in that. And so I just wanted to encourage you, if you're connecting online, to not let yourself get stuck in that uncomfortability. In the same way, let's learn and let's re-engage in new times and in new ways to connect with God because our engagement, our lifting of our hands, our shouting, our responding, our connecting with what's happening through the praise and the worship with other believers through the message is not about encouraging whoever is on this platform. Whether they can hear you or not has nothing to do with it. Your engagement, your connection with what's happening is all about declaring to heaven the alignment of your life. It's all about declaring to yourself the trajectory of what you're doing and where you're going. How many of you have ever needed to hear yourself say, yes, I agree with that. I'm going to throw an amen out to remind myself that that's the word that I align my life with. Not whatever chaos is going on inside my head, but that word that I just heard from God, that song that's being poured out, I need to remind myself that that's what I hear. And it's to declare to the enemy that you will not be held back, that you will not be tied down by whatever chains he's trying to throw at you, but that you are breaking those chains. So wherever you are, I just want to encourage you, whether you're in this room or whether you're connecting online, I know that that is the same space that you chill out and watch This Is Us on. But I want to remind you that today you are connecting with heaven. You are part of the family of God. And I want to encourage you to stand up, to shout, to clap, to do whatever you have to do to let all of heaven know, to let yourself know, and to let the enemy know that we are connecting with what God has for us today. Amen, church? 
Why don't you tell somebody? Why don't you shout it in the chat? I need a new metric. We are continuing on our series today, a series that has been all about what do we align our lives with? What do we measure our lives with? How are we setting up ourselves? Because before we exit this year, I want us to learn what God is speaking to us. And I think that one of the things God is declaring to his family of believers is that we have been measuring our, thing, our lives by some false metrics that he has some things that he wants to adjust us in and say, I know you've been looking at this as your measuring stick and maybe it was wrong or maybe it's just not the right one for this season, but these are the things that I need you measuring your life by now. And I think he's adjusting us and we are gonna adjust ourselves. I know all over my life, I keep looking and going, well, that made sense before, but it doesn't make sense now. That goal made sense in December of 2019, but in November of 2020, it doesn't make any sense to me anymore because I have to realign my life. So let's jump into the word. I want you to turn to 2 Peter or slide to 2 Peter or click over to 2 Peter, however you get there. I'm gonna look at chapter three and verse eight and nine. It says, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God, I thank you for your presence that's in this place. I thank you that you have drawn us and gathered us together for this day, and I thank you for your unchanging word. Today we ask you that you reveal something new to us in your word. I thank you for what you've shown me, God, and I ask you for the clarity to speak it out. Give us hearts that are ready to receive it. Give us ears that hear what you're saying in heaven, God, and let it produce fruit in us in the days to come. God, everything that's me, let it stay here. And everything that's you, let it go and be carried with us in our days, our weeks, and our months to come. In your mighty name, amen. I find that scripture in 2 Peter at the same time encouraging and discouraging because it helps me to know that God is not looking at time in the same way that I'm looking at time, that he is a little bit more drawn out in what he's doing. He's a little bit more measured, that he sees the whole picture at the same time. And that reminds me that I don't need to be worried in a single moment of my life because this single moment of my life might seem so dramatic to me, but to God, he's looking at the whole thing and he's like, you can hear him saying, baby, just wait a little bit longer. I've got more coming down the line. But then at the same time, it says that a day is like a thousand years. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, can we come on? Sometimes I just feel like, is there, can we move a little bit faster? Could you be a little bit hurried? But the Lord is not slow, but he is patient. He's not slow in what he's doing, but he is patient. He is measured. He is walking through this thing. Time is a metric that we live our lives by. Time is a metric that affects everything that we do. It's a way that we measure how we're doing. Time might be my favorite of the metrics. The reason time is probably my favorite of the metrics is because you can count on it. You can depend on it. It's constant. 
with all of the measurements of distance, with all of the measurements of, of weight, with all of the measurements of capacity, you have this situation with imperial and metric, and it depends on who you are speaking to. And if you have family that lives internationally, you are constantly clicking and switching in your brain, who am I talking to and how do I communicate what I'm trying to communicate because I either need to be spe speaking in imperial or I need to be speaking in metric. And I find this very confusing and it's very frustrating to me and I wish we would just get on with it and be on the metric system like the rest of the world. I know, unpopular opinion. I literally have people staring at me right now like, how dare you? We are Americans and we are on the imperial system. I almost said it backwards. Did you know that we are only one of three countries in the entire world that still uses the imperial system? And the other two at least put both imperial and metric on all of their signs and all of their documents, which that to me is like, that's extra work. Just really go ahead and make the switch. But we are the last one standing, and it's very complicated in my life. But time, in time, we're all talking on the same language. Nobody is working on a different time system. Everybody is using 60-second minutes and 60-minute hours and 24-hour days. We are all working on the same time system. Time affects the way that we look and we measure our lives, and I appreciate about time that it is consistent that we know what we get from it, that we know what to expect from it. When we come and talk about time, time tells us how we start something and how we end something. When we communicate about time, we t talk about a start time, and that let us know how to all connect and join in here together today because we said our services start at 10 a.m., or if you're joining at a 1 p.m. or a 6 p.m., we start at these different times for our services, and so we know when I come, I can expect that things are beginning at that time. Later this week, if you're here in the States, you will be having Thanksgiving dinner with your family and you will have a dinner start time. Now, some of your families will honor this time or some members of your family will honor this time. Oh, the chuckles have already begun because you know already that other members of your family will not honor this start time. But, but the fact that there is a start time at least knows and tells us who we can rejoice in their arrival and who we can expect their delay because we all have agreed on a start time and it tells us when we will end something. It tells us when we can expect something to be finished, how long we can expect something to be go to go on for and those end times give us an expectation for what we can expect from ourselves. That, that there are things that we can continue in when we know there is an expected end time. I had a mentor that told me one time, you can do just about anything in your life for a certain amount of time when you know it has an end date. When you know there's a cutoff, you can do long days and short nights when you know there's an exam coming at the end of it right? You can run just a little bit farther when you know you've only got five more minutes in your run. You can extend yourself when you know and you have a clear and expected deadline. What's been so challenging for all of us about living in this pandemic is that there is no clear end to it. 
There's no clear deadline about what we're dealing with and about what we're facing. Everyone's looking for where is our off-ramp? Where do we get to end this? Where are we going to put a piece of punctuation in all of the things that we have been facing and all that has been stirred up because of all of the extended pressure? I work really well with deadlines. I have learned about myself that I respond well to some external pressure like a deadline. Now, I will utilize all of the time that I am given for my deadline. If I am told you have until, you know, X, Y, or Z, I am going to continue working on my item until X, Y, or Z time comes. Almost every single Sunday, without fail, before service, Phil will say the line to me, you stress me out how you keep making notes on your notes like that. Because I feel like my deadline is not until I come up here. And so while I have lots of notes prepared and I have prepared a message, I am every single week in the back taking a pen then to my printed off notes and writing in additional thoughts because I think until the end of the deadline, I get to keep working on it. But the pressure of that deadline tells me when I need to push till, when I need to keep pressing into, when I need to keep going, how long I can keep tweaking. I like to do the same thing when I'm working out. Like if, I, if I'm holding a plank and I have until 30 seconds and I look down and there's only 15 seconds, I can tell myself I can hold this plank for 15 more seconds to get to that 30 seconds. But have you ever played this little game where then when you get to the 30 seconds, you set another timer and you go like 10 more seconds? This is a game I like to play when I'm working out. If I'm holding my plank and I get to 30 seconds and I tell myself, you made your deadline, but then I go, I bet you can do 10 more and I extend the deadline just a little bit farther and see how many times can I reset that timer? How many times can I press out that deadline? How many times can I delay ending this and say, I bet I can grow just a little bit stronger if I can push this 10 more seconds. I bet there's just a little bit more stretch in me if I can delay this timer one more time. I think there's just a little bit more to get out of this exercise if we can push it just a little bit farther and see how much we can grow. Keep setting another timer. But a delayed deadline can be an incredibly unsettling place to be as well. When you expected something to end or you expected someone to arrive, when a deadline is delayed, it unsettles because our expectation is how we move and how we walk and how we make sense of the world around us. And many of us thought that by summer, surely we would be done with all of this that we've been going through. Certainly by summertime, everything will be back to normal. And summer kept rolling around and it became clear that, okay, we're not going to be done by summer, but certainly by the time we get to fall or schools go back in session and maybe it's not going to be when schools go back in session but but maybe and, and our deadlines kept getting delayed and kept getting pressed back and kept getting moved back and every time that deadline got delayed and every time that deadline got moved and every time that deadline got readjusted it unsettled something in us and here we find ourselves in our specific area again talking about things like potentially staying home talking about things like tightening up additional restrictions and we are readjusting once again to the fact that this deadline is not as close as we thought that it was I wonder what other things in your life have been delayed this year 
What other things in your life have been pressed back? What other things in your life have more seconds in you, again, to stretch out this timer? And the question becomes, how do we respond when our deadline is delayed? How do we respond when that timer keeps getting reset? I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 13. And we can learn something here from the life of Saul, not about how we should respond when a deadline is delayed, but sometimes we can learn what not to do when we look at stories that are accounted in the scripture. Saul finds himself in a moment where his deadline is getting ready to get delayed, where he is waiting at Gilgal. It starts in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 8. It says, he waited, referring to Saul, seven days, the time that was appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said, Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over this people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So here is Saul waiting for Samuel. Samuel is the prophet who is supposed to come and offer this sacrifice, which was part of their worship. It was part of their routine that before they would go out to battle, they would offer a sacrifice for God, before God, to seek his blessing. And Samuel has told him, I will come to you in seven days. Wait for me at Gilgal. And there is Saul waiting at Gilgal for the seven days. And the seven days come, and Samuel has not arrived and so Saul decides to take the situation into his own hands and go and offer the sacrifices and to be honest when I read this story it's easy for me to sympathize with Saul he is standing there with his army waiting waiting to offer the sacrifice and as he's waiting for Samuel who has already told him it's going to be a full seven days until I come he begins to see the people scattering and he begins to see his enemy gathering against him and so Saul decides to go and take it into his own hands when Samuel doesn't show up the issue with what Saul does is not that he offered the sacrifice. It's not necessarily that as king he wasn't allowed to offer the sacrifice. It's that he stepped outside of what God had told him to do. As a prophet, Samuel is not just speaking on his own calendar saying, look, Saul, I've got kind of a busy week. I'm going to show up for you in seven days and then we'll get this sacrifice thing all sorted out. As a prophet in the, to the people of Israel, Samuel was speaking on behalf of God and saying, I will show up in the appointed time of seven days from now and I will offer the sacrifice on your behalf. 
And you can see Saul stepping outside of this because what it reveals to us, when we step outside of being obedient to the word of God, it reveals something about our belief in who God is. And what Saul revealed about himself, about his belief in who God was, was that God was more concerned with the ritual of what was going to be done than obedience to his word. Saul believed about God that he was more concerned with receiving the sacrifice. But what God was more concerned about in Saul's life was obedience to his word. Saul Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel so that they could offer the sacrifice together. Saul stepped outside of that because he thought, it's fine if I do it. It's fine if I take it in my own hands because what's important here is that the action happens. What's important here is that the ritual is participated in, not understanding that the ritual is a physical demonstration of hearts that are obedient to the principles of God. So he stepped outside of it and he offered the ritual sacrifice, but in doing so stepped outside of obedience in God and revealed in himself that he did not understand the principles of God. And he did not understand the thing that God was calling him to, that he did not understand the weightiness of the position that he had called him to. I know that it's true because he does it again. A couple chapters later, he goes, and God tells him, I want you to devote the entire nation that you overcome to destruction as a sacrifice to me. And he almost obeys, but not all the way. He says, God, I'm going to offer most of this, but surely you want me to hold back on some of the best things so that I can offer those up. And God says, once again, Samuel, or once again, Saul, you don't understand that it's the principle that I want you to follow. It's the obedience to my word that I'm wanting you to follow, not the ritual of repeating it. I wonder how many things in our year God is trying to say to us, it's not the ritual that I want you to participate in. It's not the ritual that I want you to be part of. I want I want you to be obedient to my word. I want you to be connected to my principles. His principles always supersede the ritual. The ritual is the external demonstration of what we are doing that reflect the principles that he has spoken to us. When he says to us, I want you to gather together, it is a ritual that we have had to rethink this year. He has said to us, the principle is that I want my people to be connected together. The principle is that I want my people to be living in community. The principle is that I want you to be leaning into one another. I know that you're committed to the ritual of showing up to a building, but if you can't show up to a building and practice that same ritual in the way that you have for decades, do you still understand the obedience to my word? Do you still understand the principle that I'm speaking to you? Because it's possible for you to come into a building and sit and participate in a ritual and not understand the principle of being joined into community. You can come and sit every single week and not know the people that you're connected to. You can log on every single week and not engage with those people, not pray for anyone else, not reach out to anyone else, not help anyone else, not believe in anyone else, not declare who he is to anyone else. The ritual is the external demonstration of what he is planting inside of our hearts. Our 
are we loving one another? Not are we participating in rituals that look like we're loving one another, but has the principle got inside of us? Are we honoring God with our bodies? Are we bringing of our first fruits into the storehouse, not in the ritual ways that we have been used to doing it, but in committed ways that say, God, I want to be obedient to your word. Saul allowed himself to make a foolish decision when his deadline got delayed because he thought that the ritual was more important than the principle. Because he thought that the action was more important than the thing that God had spoken to him, than being obedient. What is it that God has spoken to you that you are trying more and more to connect to the external action than to getting that word deep into who you are? And Saul got out of line with what he was doing and he made a bad judgment call because he was anxious when his deadline was delayed. When his deadline got pushed back, you can hear in Saul that he is antsy. He must not have really waited very long. When I read the scripture, it's pretty clear to me that Saul was not trying to wait until Samuel came. He was trying to find the moment to hurry this process up. Because it says, as soon as Saul was finished, behold, Samuel arrived. Which means he wasn't that far off. You can almost see Saul in the scripture pacing back and forth, waiting, looking, talking to his people. We only have an hour longer, and if he doesn't get here within the hour, I'm going to have to go get those sacrifices. He's already stirring up the anxiousness on the inside of him. He's already wandering back and forth. I wonder how much anxiousness you have allowed to get into your life because the deadline keeps getting delayed, because the timeline that you thought you were on is not the timeline that you see working out in your life. And so in the midst of that, all of your internal world is getting stirred up. And you say, I know that this is what God told me to do. And I know that he told me this is how he's going to work it out. But if he doesn't show up by the end of November, then I'm just going to have to get it into my own hands anyway. If he doesn't show up by Christmas, I'm just going to have to tell them what I think about it anyway. If by the turn of the year, we're not able to do this business the way I want to, I'm just going to have to move on it, even though God told me to wait on it. I'm just going to go ahead and take it into my own hands because I'm already stirring myself up into anxiousness. Saul got stirred up into anxiousness because he started listening to the people and looking at his enemy when he should have found a place to wait on God. In the midst of a delayed deadline, the place to look is to look at God. So what did you speak to me? God, help hold me in obedience. Help reveal to me what you're doing in this moment. Help speak to me what's happening. But instead, Saul says when he is trying to excuse himself to Samuel, it runs off like an excuse already ready, doesn't it? Like a kid who just got caught with their hand in the cookie jar saying, well, but the reason that I needed to have the cookie right now, Saul knows when Samuel says, what did you do? He runs into his list of excuses. And those things include, I was looking at the people and the people were scattering from me. And so I got nervous because I thought that my strength and I thought that my support came from the people that I could see around me instead of understanding and knowing that my strength and my support coming, come from being in proper alignment with God. And I started seeing my enemy gathering and I started seeing my enemy try to stand up against me, Samuel. And he starts defending 
seeing how big the enemy is and how they're getting ready and how they're getting prepared and how this delayed deadline is putting him in a bad place. And Samuel is just standing there saying, you should have waited. This one battle is not all there is, Saul. God was going to establish your entire family line, but because you got anxious in the middle of this situation, because you saw a delayed deadline and started looking at the people who were moving around you and started looking at the enemy who was gathered around you and started thinking that if you can't win this single battle, if you can't show up in this single moment in the way that you think you need to show up, that everything is going to turn. And God is saying, I was trying to get the principle in your heart in the right place. I was trying to grow something in you, Saul. Most scholars believe that Samuel was delayed intentionally, on purpose, saying, let me give Saul a 10 more second timer to see if he's as strong as he thinks he is. Let me give Saul a 10 more second timer to find out what's really in the core of who he is. Is that core as tough as he thinks it is? Is that core as solid as it needs to be? Is that core built up on the things that God is trying to pour in it? And when the moment came for the delayed timer to take 10 more seconds to wait on Samuel for the opportunity to be obedient to the word that God had said, Saul failed. Because he believed that this moment was more important than the long game that God was playing. God is not slow in the way that we understand slowness. He is patient. He was trying to work something out in Saul. Trying to establish something in his family line. And I want you to know in the midst of this year, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of delayed deadline after delayed deadline, God is not slow in the way that we understand slowness. He is patient. He is willing to take the time that it's going to take to see you developed to see something established in your family, to listen to the sound of heaven over the sound of the crowd because the crowd is fickle. They gathered with Saul on one day and they scattered from him another day. They celebrated and commented and liked your post this weekend and tomorrow nobody's gonna say anything because they don't like what you're saying today. The crowd is fickle. You cannot build your life on the sound or the movement of the crowd. You have to build your life on the sound of heaven and what it is declaring to you. And I know your deadlines have been delayed this year. I know that you didn't see yourself living back at home with your parents at 26. I know that you wanted that business to start in the first quarter of this year and you're still working on it. I know that you're still waiting for paperwork to come through. I know that you're still trying to close on that house. I know that you're still waiting for your spouse. I know that you're still praying for that baby. I know that there are so many deadlines that feel like they have just gotten delayed and delayed and delayed and you can hear the metaphorical timer going another time. Another timer, another timer in your life, pushing it 10 more seconds and 10 more seconds and driving you to find out what is in the core of who you are. But I believe, unlike Saul, you are going to pass this test. You are going to hear the sound of heaven. 
you are going to be obedient to the Word of God because at the right time, God is going to show up in your life. At the right time, he is going to come through with the promises that he has spoken to you. At the right time, that person is going to come walking in. At the right time, that door is going to open up. At the right time, that job is going to be there. At the right time, that employee is going to be there. I know that it feels like God is moving slow, but he's not slow. He's patient. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as his sons. For generations, people had been waiting for their Messiah to come. For generations, they had been searching for him and looking for him and wondering, when is he ever coming? Has God forgotten about us here? But if God knew the proper time, if he knew the fullness of time to send forth his son into the earth, wanting that everyone would know and would receive the gift of salvation, he knows the proper time to show up for the answer you've been waiting on. He knows the proper time, and you're here and right now to fulfill the promise that he has been speaking to you in your life. He is not moving slow. He is patient, making sure that you're who you need to be when he arrives, making sure that the character that's in you is developed for that spouse that he's bringing to you, making sure that your relationship is where it needs to be to welcome a child into it, making sure that the foundation of who you are is what it needs, that every ethic that he needs in you, that every principle that he needs in you is solidified in your foundation before he can allow that business to explode and to succeed to the thing and the dream that he has spoken to you. He is working the process out. And I promise you, he is going to show up for you this year. I promise you he is coming. I promise you that at the fullness of time, I promise you that when everything is ready, God is going to show up in your life. I know that this, this past week, this message has really been working in my life has really been speaking to me. I want a deadline. I want a clear, hard deadline. I'm like, God, I am all right, but can you tell me when we're gonna be done with this? Can you tell me when this person is gonna show up? Can you tell me when we're gonna be able to move forward in this area? I've had so many open-ended things in this year where it felt like time and time again, God just kept saying, here's another timer on that one. I need you to take 10 more seconds on that one. And I wanted the clarity. I wanted that moment that said, God, I feel solidified in this. And I know that that's what so many of us have been feeling throughout this year is that drawing, that longing of going, God, where are you? It feels like you told me this is when this thing was going to be able to end and that you're delaying it a little bit longer. 
feels like it's dragging out a little bit more. And what I want you to hear so clearly is do not start looking at the people. Do not start looking at your opposition in the midst of it and allow yourself to become anxious in the middle of what God is doing because when you look at the wrong things and when you become anxious, that is where you make bad decisions where you say, God, I know that that's what you said, but it just seems better to me right now to take the whole thing into my own hands and to step outside of what you've spoken to me. God, it seems like I just want the thing to be more important than the principle. I just want the thing to be able to be higher than waiting on you, than obedience to your word. But I want you to hear that if you are children of God, ask yourself, Jesus, what are you saying in this moment? Jesus, what are you speaking to us in this moment? And patiently hold on, not to your timeline, not to what you think needs to happen, to what the sound of heaven is declaring, because he knows the right time for you, and he will show up at the right time. I wanna show you something that I started to see in the book of Romans this week. In Romans chapter five, there's this portion of scripture and it starts in verse three. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And you know what I had never seen before? Is that hope is at the end of that thing. So often I think that hope has to come at the beginning. That hope is the thing that God puts out front so that I can be carried into something. But when I read the scripture as it's written, when I read the scripture in its proper order, it says, no, your suffering comes first. And suffering is a delayed time. It's a time of extended. Pain might be in a moment, but suffering has to happen for a little bit of time. And when you are pers persevering in your suffering, it produces in us endurance. It produces in us that thing that says, I can go for one more timer. I can go one more round. I'm gonna endure this thing for one more set. I've got 10 more seconds in me. And you know what, if I do that 10 seconds, I've got another 10 seconds in me. And in the midst of that endurance, he is producing character inside of his people. And I believe as we look across the body of Christ, God is taking some time over this last season to say, I need you to be formed in my character, people of God. Not formed in your rituals, not formed in your habits, not committed to your ways, not committed to your preferences, committed to my character. And when you get formed inside that character, that produces hope. Hope that stirs up on the inside of you. Hope that carries you through every situation. Hope that allows you to be a resilient believer that says, you know what? I can make it through any season. I believe we're gonna look back at this time and say, oh, in that season, I endured some suffering and it produced character on the inside of me. And I found a hope that tells me that no matter what comes, I'm still gonna stand. No matter what comes, I'm still gonna carry on because I have a hope that is greater than every situation. I have a hope on the inside of me that is bigger than this momentary suffering. So whatever trial I might face in the days to come, hope is still coming. Whatever suffering I might face, hope is still yours for the taking. Whatever walk 
God takes you through. Hope is over that situation. There is hope still yet for you. And I speak over your life and I declare over your life that I believe that God is going to show up for you in the appointed time, in the moment when you need it most, in the moment when your character has been produced, in the moment when hope has been revealed to you. I believe that there is a hope rising up on the inside of you. And people of God, we are going to come out when we learn what God has for us. And the thing that we're going to learn is that he can take us through every single situation to stand in his hope, to believe in his hope for just a little while longer that there is still hope for you right here, right now. Declare over your situation that he is a good God, that he is a faithful God, that he is better than we have ever been able to hope or imagine or dream. He is the God of all hope and he is showing up for you. We are believing that that word will bring strength and hope into your life. Absolutely. If God just spoke to you through this message and you're stirred right now to partner with us and to sow financially into the ministry that is Cornerstone Church, I want to encourage you to jump on over to our website, which is simply cornerstone.church and click the give button. Find the avenue that is most convenient for you today. That's right. We are going to continue spreading the message of the gospel and we look forward to continuing to connect together.